This is Crosscut Reports. I'm Sarah Bernard. Today, we hear about one of the most powerful lobbying forces in Olympia, a nonprofit organization called the Association of Washington Cities, or AWC. The Association of Washington Cities, which helped sink the bill last year. In a collaboration with the news organization McClatchy, Crosscut State Politics reporter Joseph O'Sullivan explored the many ways that the AWC has wielded this power in recent years, in particular in the areas of housing policy and government transparency. It's influenced lawmakers, defeated bills, and even written its own legislation. The thing is, this kind of work is par for the course for many lobbyists in Olympia. And that's exactly why Joe and the team at McClatchy wanted to peel back the curtain and take a look. One quick note before we start, we were having a bit of technical difficulty on Joe's audio this time around. So sorry about that. Just a reminder, there's a text version of this story too, if you want to check it out. Well, hi. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm actually curious, Joe, how are you doing now that the session is over? Did you get any rest? <laughs> I'm good. I got a little rest. And um, fingers crossed, this might be my first slow election season since like 2015. So uh, ah. it'll even be a, a slower fall, at least a little bit. Of course, we already have candidates running for governor and attorney general of things. So right. it'll stay busy. I was going to say, I mean, the journalist never really sleeps, do they? There's always more stories. Speaking of which, you recently spent some time reporting on an organization called the Association of Washington Cities. And, you know, it's an organization that might fly under the radar for the average person, you know, um, but it turns out they actually wield quite a lot of power in Olympia. So I was curious if you could kind of quickly give us a little bit of an overview of that organization for those who might not know that much about them. What, what do they do exactly? Sure. So, you know, I, I think when we think about the legislature at the Capitol here in Olympia, you know, it's a part-time legislature, so they have jobs in their in their day life. And then for a few months every year, they come to Olympia and, and they write laws, debate bills, and, you know, pass or reject new ideas and policies. Uh, but of course, always in the background, we have about 800 registered lobbyists in Washington State. And these are people that are advocating for or against policies uh, to favor their their interests. And, you know, this is a really wide range, right? On the on the left, you have the labor unions and you have the ACLU and other groups. You know, then you'll have uh, business groups, you know, Boeing, fossil fuel companies, right? Technology companies. Everybody's uh, coming to Olympia to try and get their vision of the world enacted into policy. In there, we have the Association of Washington Cities, which is a nonprofit organization, and it represents the 281, I believe, cities in Washington states, you know, city councilors, city managers, local governments, and the issues that they have uh, down at the local level. AWC has a great team of lobbyists representing all of our 281 cities and towns. We also have an amazing group of policy So this is a group you might not hear a lot about. Um, but they, they do have a decent amount of sway uh, at the legislature. And what are some examples of work they have done in recent times? What have they kind of lobbied for and against in general recently? Well, I think if you take a look at this year, um, you know, lawmakers were debating loosening um, restrictions around when law enforcement can engage in, in vehicle pursuits, right? Governor Jay Inslee will sign into a law a bill that allows for more police pursuits in our state. 
that's something that your city police department might be really interested in, obviously, and your local mayor. It lowers the threshold for when police can chase after someone, meaning officers will now be able to chase someone if they have reasonable suspicion of a crime. So that's an example of something the Association of Washington Cities was involved in this year. Lawmakers wound up passing a bill that did a little loosening to police pursuit restrictions. Um, another big issue this year, of course, was the new statewide uh, drug possession and treatment law which is something that lawmakers have been de debating for a couple of years after the state Supreme Court struck down our felony drug possession law. Right now, state lawmakers are reworking the state's drug possession laws. They discussed everything from tougher laws to full legalization. You know, so there's an example of an issue that, right, the cities have, a, have an interest in, in figuring out what happens to the statewide law, because if there is no statewide law, then different cities have to figure out how to wrestle with these issues on their own. So, so those are two examples of issues where, where right, they, they touch on things down at the city. We, we talk about them as sort of state level things and they impact sort of everybody. And so just to sort of give a, an understanding of the story we did, I mean, the Association of Washington lobbies on a lot of different things. Um, it's sort of a continual player in Olympia politics every year. Uh, we, we took a look in our story at sort of two areas that popped up really under the spotlight this year. One was the housing policy bills uh, that passed this year to increase the housing supply and, and get at the affordability crisis we're having in Washington State. Governor Jay Inslee signed 10 housing-related bills into law this afternoon. A surprising number of that legislation passed, and some of that stuff had been opposed by the Association of Washington Cities in prior years. To the extent that we're a bipartisan group of lawmakers and business interests and unions and other groups came together to try and make sure there was enough pressure to, to get some of these proposed solutions through. And they did, uh, just to the surprise even of some supporters of housing policy. Uh, and at the same time, we had a real kind of a blow up this year on government transparency. You know, lawmakers, it was revealed that they've been blacking out documents, uh, emails, text messages that should be disclosed to the public at least per a 2019 state Supreme Court order. And sort of in the middle of that transparency stuff, the Association of Washington Cities uh, wrote a, a bill and gave it to uh, state lawmakers that would start to weaken the Public Records Act. But so we're, we're covering these two key issues and the Association of Washington Cities is sort of playing a key role in both of them. And we thought the way these issues came together, it felt like this was a good moment to sort of illustrate to readers some of the behind the scenes stuff that happens in Olympia and sort of the sausage making of, of legislation and, and passing uh, bills and laws or, or, or getting them stopped. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you kind of had to look at these housing density bills really quick, do we know why the organization would oppose this kind of legislation? I think the local control is, is you know, that's a big reason. I mean, city council members want to have control over, over their own affairs. Nobody likes to give up authority that they have. And, and they feel like they can use it best, uh, even as the crisis has grown worse and expanded, you know, across, you know, the housing shortage and affordability crisis, not just in Seattle. It's, it's been in other counties for years now. Uh, it's hitting uh, rural Washington hard, too. It was predicted that Washington will need to add more than a million homes over the next 20 years, with more than half of them affordable. The Association of Washington Cities for many years has fought some of these housing proposals pretty hard. Things started to change this year, and the Association of Washington Cities, uh, by all accounts, they, they sort of, I think, had a feel that things were changing, so they made a more proactive effort, for example, this year on the middle housing bill. 
A missing middle law bans cities from having single-family zone neighborhoods, allowing for more duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes. They still were able to oppose other bills that, that died this year. Hmm. Um, the Association of Washington Cities basically stopped this middle uh, missing middle housing bill last year, saying, "You know, we weren't really consulted. You know, we should be we should be in on these discussions. It's not the Washington way to pass this legislation without us." Um, but we contrasted that in our story with. Uh, the way that Association of Washington Cities treated uh, some public records issues this year. They drafted a law that would begin to start to pare down um, judicial oversight for uh, the Public Records Act, which is the 1972 voter-approved law that allows for citizens in the press to ask for documents from government, like emails, memos, text messages. That way you can sort of you can see what your your public servants are up to and whether they're uh, living up to their campaign promises and, and acting on behalf of the people. Uh, that's not always a popular law with uh, politicians and elected officials who find it cumbersome sometimes. Um, the Association of Washington Cities, there's, a, there's consternation that there are some sort of vexatious requesters that make a lot of requests and then wind up suing and you know get some money off of these public records judgments. But we wanted to sort of contrast the way that the association acted when it came to housing. They wanted to be consulted on everything. Otherwise, they're going to stop these things. With the public records, they wrote their own legislation. Um, this is sort of a little known thing at Olympia that lawmakers can sign off and have the lobbyist write a, a bill, a proposed law, and then the, the lawmaker can sponsor it. And so yeah. the Association of Washington Cities did this with this public records legislation. And, and and they didn't consult with other people. There was no Washington way for open government agents or anything. And they just sort of tried to push through. Now, that bill didn't advance this year because of the other records, uh, public records blowback that, that lawmakers have received. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they drafted the bill themselves. They wrote their own legislation. How typical is it for lobbyists? to write legislation, to get the authorization to, to write legislation. Do we know? Here's the thing. We, we don't really know. There was 1,000, roughly 1,600 bills introduced this year at the Washington legislature between the House and the Senate. Uh, but we don't really get to know who writes them because that is not the public record. Uh, our understanding of it is a lawmaker can authorize a lobbyist to write the bill. Uh, but we don't know. Uh, we interviewed uh, Candace Bach, the Association of Washington For them, she said it's not too common. They didn't write a lot of uh, proposed bills this year. You know, this one they did write, and we know that because she confirmed it, and one of the bill sponsors, Representative Larry Springer, confirmed it. Uh, but but and, and we collaborated on the story with McClatchy, uh, which owns the Tacoma News Tribune, the Olympia, and others. And and we had put in a records request, um, you know, seeking the authorization slips. Uh, so we can so we can learn who's who's writing the bills and how often they're being written by lobbyists versus you know staff and lawmakers and um, uh, but but that was rejected and uh, we we you know we we just don't know how many right now. Wow. You know, as a layperson, not having reported on these issues, it sounds to me like this would be something that maybe the public should be privy to, like who writes the legislation, but. Do you have a sense that if this information was ever part of the Public Records Act and it has since been chipped away, or did they just say, like, oh, this is just not public information, never was, never will be? As far as I can tell, it was never subject to, to public disclosure. You know, one of the reasons being that 
that the legislature claimed uh, for many years to be exempt from the Public Records Act. So they didn't give many records anyway. And then they were challenged by uh, news organizations, including the Associated Press and others. The state's Public Records Act is a result of a voter-approved initiative passed overwhelmingly back in 1972. But when senators and representatives here started saying that the act didn't apply to them, the media decided to sue. And that case went up to the state Supreme Court and in 2019. The state Supreme Court ruled that lawmakers' individual offices are subject to the Public Records Act, meaning uh, lawmakers have to uh, disclose text messages, emails, memos, uh, communications, things like that. Uh, but that state Supreme Court decision um, did affirm that there are other records in the House and the Senate, uh, you know, more broadly, a lot of administrative records uh, that aren't subject to public disclosure. And so this is where um, that falls into, into place. So I don't think this was ever uh, a public. Um, but but it's just another example of, you know, when, when you remember the public, you know, you can see the public hearings, you can see the committee votes, or you can turn on the TV and watch the floor debate about a bill. And so you have sort of an understanding on the surface level, sort of how a bill becomes a law, right? Mm-hmm. But this is just another example of, of kind of the things you don't see, right? They, they call yeah. it, you know, the sausage making, but all the things that actually go into um, what your law turns out to be or why your proposal doesn't go through or something. And of course, these things affect everybody. The Association of Washington is not the first or only lobbying organization ever to sort of do that, right? These are things that become sort of situational tactics. Uh, the legislature only meets, you know, this year it was a 105-day scheduled session. So there's only so much time. So you're always scrambling to sort of push through your priorities and stop things you don't want. Um, of course, there's a disparity between lobbying organizations, right? So the Washington Coalition of Open Government is uh, an advocacy organization itself, right? They lobby for you know government transparency. Uh, there's not a lot of not a lot of big money in that, in, and there's not a lot of big institutional support, so they're not a, necessarily a powerful lobbying organization. Whereas when you're the Association of Washington Cities, when you want to do a public records bill, they were able to just call up Barry Springer. He's, I believe, the deputy House Majority Leader. He's a former mayor of Kirkland. His wife, I think, is the current mayor of Kirkland still. And say, hey, we, you know, we've got this proposal. We know that you think this is a concern. Will you sponsor this bill for us? Hmm. Wow. So would you say that this example you've outlined around the transparency bill, AWC writes it, passes it along to a lawmaker who will sponsor it. Is this kind of par for the course in Olympia or is there kind of an outsized amount of power that you're seeing in this in this one organization? I'd say it's par for the course. I mean, I think one yeah. of the, the reasons we're writing about it is that, you know, when these examples make themselves available and you can illustrate them for readers, like that's a that's a valuable thing to show people how governing actually works. And a lot of these things, like I said, it, it, we don't know how many bills are being written by lobbyists. So unless somebody sort of says so to you in an interview, you might never find out. Mm. You know, the Association of Washington is, is considered a, a powerful interest group. You know, mm. uh, Lieutenant Governor Denny Heck uh, talked about that uh, with us for this story. He said, you know, they're, they have not just their lobbyists here, but then they can call back and, and get people, you know, calling up uh, their lawmakers from back in the city saying, hey, we don't like this proposal. Um, he's a Democrat, Representative Andrew Barkas, a Republican from Olympia. He, he works in housing. He's been a big supporter of um, bills to boost housing stock. Um, he's actually won a couple of awards from the Association of Washington Cities for his work on city issues. And he says, hey, they're 
they're really powerful. They're tough and they'll, they'll fight you every inch of the way on something they don't like. We spoke to uh, Dan Bertolet. He's uh, up in Seattle with the Sightline Institute. That's a progressive uh, think tank that works on housing issues. He says, you know, um, they're really tough. They've opposed these housing solutions for the many years that we've been working on them uh, in, until things sort of started to change this year. You know, something that you mention in your reporting that I found fascinating is that some lobbyists might refer to themselves as the third house of government in Olympia. How widespread is that term? And like, where does it come from? I'm not sure if I know its exact origins, but it's it's popular enough where you'll see occasionally people wearing pins that say the third house. Oh, really? So there's like the house, the Senate, and then the lobbying corps. You know, they. I, I think when you talk to most lobbyists, they say, you know, look, we're here to help lawmakers understand really complicated issues and, you know, help educate them on things that they don't know about. Um, uh, and, and those things, of course, are true. But of course, you know, powerful lobbying organizations pulled a lot of sway in Olympia. Why do you feel it's important to really dig into and report on the activities of the Association of Washington Cities in particular? Um, you know, as some of its activities are par for the course, perhaps in Olympia. What strikes you as important in terms of reporting on their work? You know, in previous years, I used to work with um, Austin Jenkins, a KUOW reporter for a very long time. Some people might remember him from his time on the air. And and we used to sort of sit around and think, you know, we wish we could tell more of the stories about how things actually happen in Olympia. It's very difficult to get them on the record um, or, or to confirm them. And, and we, we would always sort of kick around this idea, well, you know, how do we show people? Because we, we think it's important, journalists think it's important for the public to know how their government operates uh, and what kind of decisions are being made and who's influencing those decisions. And, and you as the resident of a of the state, you as a voter, as a taxpayer, um, the more information you know about how your government works, then you can uh, evaluate whether that's what you want. And so, you know, Austin and I used to do stories of this. Uh, we did a story one year about all the um, lobbyist-owned homes that are in the South Capitol neighborhood within sight of the Capitol. Democratic State Senator Reuven Carlisle says these homes across from the Capitol campus embody the close relationship between lawmakers and lobbyists, who are known as members of the third house. Uh, Boeing owns a house, right, through there, so people can come down and, and have a place to work. Um, you know, other organizations, too. We did another story about the, um, the lack of a cooling off period in Washington. So you could be a public servant on a Friday and go into lobbying on a Monday with no, with no you know, no period set by law that other states have to say, well, maybe take a little break so there's not... So you don't have undue influence. His move from high-ranking government official to registered lobbyist was not unusual. And uh, our story found, I think, that almost one in five registered lobbyists had come from uh, state service, as maybe there were uh, staff members or attorneys for a government agency or elected officials themselves, and then they go into lobbying. And of course, we see this in Congress, too. We see it at the federal level. It's not unique to Washington. But but we always look for places where we can sort of show that, you know, here's here's how something works that maybe the public doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. And so this this felt like an example of that, 
felt like a good example of that. Yeah. Um, you know, here we have uh, an organization sort of sort of deploying some of these tactics and tools to to advance their interests and, and stop things they don't like, which, which again, that's every advocacy group, every you know special interest group does this. The Association of Washington City is not unique, uh, but they are pretty powerful. They are a regular presence in Olympia and and these illustrations on housing and public records sort of sort of highlighted a few ways that, that things can happen in Olympia. Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Joseph O'Sullivan and Shauna Sowersby at McClatchy. It was produced by me, Sarah Bernard. Our story editor and executive producer is Mark Baumgarten. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you'd like to support the work we do at Crosscut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the video docu-series we stream every week, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com slash membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. That's also where you'll find a text version of the story we discussed today. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Sarah Bernard. We'll be back soon with another episode.